listening to the Destiny Community Church Podcast. Hey, today we are starting a new series that God has laid on my heart, and I'm calling it Old School. Now listen to me. Old School is a fun theme. It's a fun name. I can tell you this, this series is very significant, and, and it, it's, it's, it's not necessarily fun, but it's necessary. It's necessary. And God has been dropping this into my spirit for some time. And, and during our month of Sabbath, I have, have really just been seeking God and saying, God, where do you want me to, to go with this? What do you want me to do with what you're putting in my spirit? And, and this is the product of that, okay? Um, I, I, I need you to understand that I'm calling it old school because it will resemble some of the old school preaching that some of you grew up on, not necessarily the preaching style, but the content. I, I, my delivery is the way that it is. I don't, I don't change that, and, and, um, but, but the content is, is more old school. Um, this is kind of what I call soapbox preaching. I don't know if some of you know what I'm talking about. You get on your soapbox, and, and you tell it like it is. This is some of that soapbox preaching. The, the late John Knott, John used to, to walk by me when we had church in the middle school, and and he would walk by on his way out. And after I would preach a sermon like this, John would walk by and he'd shake my hand. And he'd say, that was good today, Pastor. That's what I call meddling. <laughs> and today I'm meddling. I'm just letting you know. Here's a disclaimer for you, though. If you're new to the faith, this series is going to be challenging to you. I know that. I've been praying for you. If you're new to the faith... I've been praying for you. If you will allow this series to do its work, it will be eye-opening because you simply don't know what you don't know. And it's up to me. It's up to mature believers in your life to explain this to you. And so I, I want you to stay with me. I don't want you to become offended because we become offended at so many things so easily. And, and that's what society is dictating that. You understand that, right? offenses, Christ said offenses are going to come. They're they're, they're going to happen, okay? You don't have to fall into that snare and into that trap. We don't have to walk out of here offended. But I'm telling you, if you allow the enemy to do his work rather than the Holy Spirit to do his work in you, you you might find yourself offended. For some of you seasoned believers in the room, I, I can tell you this is going to be very convicting. Over the next few weeks, it's going to be convicting because our convictions that started our faith journey have been replaced with a feel-good gospel. The Bible doesn't need to be rewritten. The Bible needs to be reread. This is still the truth. And it's lasting. This stands the test of time. And I'm afraid sometimes we wander away from this. And my prayer for this series is I pray that the Word of God corrects our course and, and directs our, our path because I'm afraid that we've veered from the path in, in an effort. And listen, I, I'm, I'm, I'm there with you. Uh, trust me. Trust me. In an effort to, to leave legalism and traditionalism behind, I'm afraid that we've veered off of the path that we should be on. I'm going to explain this in detail to you. I promise you. But my heart is heavy right now for the church. 
And when I say the church, I don't mean just us. We're part of the global church, and my heart is heavy for the church, and specifically for the church in North America. This past week, I completed 25 years of full-time ministry. It kind of snuck up on me, to be honest. Uh, the, the day came and went that, that my ministry and uh, full-time ministry actually started, and it was a couple of days later that I realized, oh, I've been doing this for 25 years full-time. And over the past two and a half decades, I have watched cultural shifts that have affected the Christian church. Some good, some bad. Some things that, that they were okay. They affected us in a positive way, but yet there's been other things that, that led us astray. And, and I, I, I can't help but think about the church today, and I've never witnessed the church become as vulnerable as it is today. That's where we're at. We are extremely vulnerable and church, I've seen a lot over the years, and I admit there are some things that need to change. The beehive hairdos that I grew up around. You know, taller the hair, closer to God. The anointing of Aquanet. That stuff needed to change, okay? Because here's what was happening. Here's what was happening. We were, we were trying our best to, to have a physical appearance of holiness, some of you have no idea what I'm talking about. Praise your Lord and, Jesus, and your Savior, Jesus Christ, that, that you have no idea what I'm talking about. Because people were trying to force others to have this appearance of holiness. Now listen, I'm all about modesty. Okay, don't, don't mistake that. But in an effort to look holy, we were becoming very legalistic. And so we've, we've pushed away from some of that. That stuff needed to change. Uh, how, how many of the women in the room, um, you're going to show your age in this one, but remember culottes? Remember cool, raise your hand. I want to see actually who, who remembers culottes. It's, it's, it's more than what I actually thought. First service too, culottes. If, if, if you have no idea what culottes are, once again, raise both hands to heaven. Thank your Lord and Savior. Because they were some of the most unattractive clothing that I've ever seen on a woman, ever, ever. I need to move right on because some of you may have that in your wardrobe. And <laughs> the thought process that going to the movie theater was evil. Now, some of you have no idea. You're like, what? I grew up in an environment that when I was a child, we could not go to the movie theater because it was evil. And we know this. There are some movies that are appropriate and there are some movies that are inappropriate. We didn't have that choice. We could watch them at home. We could rent them on VHS tape. But God forbid you go to the movie theater. You see what I'm saying? There's some things that were necessary. Change was good for the church. There's some things that were necessary Change is not always a bad thing, but, but if life has taught us anything, it has taught us that human history is a series of overcorrections. That's what we do. Something doesn't sit right with us, something doesn't look right, it doesn't feel right, and what, what do we do next as humans? We overcorrect. I'll, I'll show you what I'm talking about. Um, I took driver's ed in, in, in high school, and the teacher he stressed to us students the dangers of running off the road. And when that front tire hits, hits you know, the, the shoulder there, it goes off the road, 
to be careful not to grab the steering wheel and jerk the wheel because that's your natural tendency. When you go off the road, you feel like you need to get back on the road and you will overcorrect. And when you overcorrect by snatching that wheel, you, you could put yourself in danger by going into oncoming traffic coming the other direction. And so that's an overcorrection. But this reflex goes far beyond learning to drive. Perfect example. Presidential elections. Yeah. How else do you explain our last six presidents? And listen, some of you just got offended. I told you not to get offended. Okay? I'm not even talking about them, their character, or their platform. That's not what I'm talking about. Follow me. Republican to Democrat to Republican to Democrat to Republican to Democrat, the last six presidents. You don't think that we're seeing something that we don't like and overcorrecting in the process? That's what we do. Racial discontent. In a country that once allowed slavery, blows my mind, but in a country that once allowed slavery, we went to the other end of the spectrum after the Civil War with reconstruction policies that rendered southern states politically irrelevant at the national level for years and years to come. And what happened was this led to southern resentment, which in turn gave us the KKK, Jim Crow laws. These things were an overcorrection to something that was rubbing some people the wrong way. And now today, we are plagued with political correctness. Not because some things didn't need to change. They certainly did. But the PC bandwagon has barreled over common sense. And everybody and their brother is being canceled. Shoot. By the end of this message today, I might be canceled. But, but I'm going to put you on notice. You ready? For all my critics. If you're watching online, if you're in the room, you didn't call me. You can't tell me what to preach. Only he can do that. Okay? And if you want to know, if you want to know why I'm diving into this series the way that I am and the reason this is so important to me, you need to understand that my home, my immediate family, we're okay. I know where we stand. I know how we raised our kids. Listen, at the moment that my kids graduated high school, and I knew they were not going to be under our roof for very much longer, I put a reminder in my phone at 7 a.m. every morning. It's still in my phone to this day. When they graduated high school, I made it a point. I'm going to pray for them. I, I could control their thought process while they were under my roof. I know some of you are like, no, no, Pastor, you're wrong. No. I knew where they were, what they were doing, who they were with. I could control all of that while they're under my roof. But when Kendall left for college, I knew that there were some things that were going to change. And I started praying then, God, I need you to protect my children. I want you to protect them physically. I want you to protect them mentally. And I want you to protect them spiritually. Some of you, you need to be praying that over your children right now because the world is after them. The enemy is after them. And you need to be praying for their physical protection and their mental protection. Let me tell you, there's a mindset that is trying to infiltrate their, their hearts and their minds. And you better pray against it. You better pray that what you have instilled in them has the strength to stand. And then you need to be praying for their spiritual well-being because they're trying to cancel God. And, and, and I refuse to allow that to happen. I'm not interested in being politically correct. I want to be biblically correct. 
And so, yeah, sometimes I miss the good old days. I do. Because I didn't have to battle the things that my children have had to battle. And I'm preaching this series because I know that my family is okay, but it's your children that I'm concerned about. And I know I'm going to answer to God as the pastor of this church. One day I'm going to answer to God for what I preach to you. And parents, I'm hoping and I'm praying that you, you will see exactly what the Holy Spirit is trying to reveal to us. Today's text is going to come from the sixth chapter of the book of Jeremiah. The sixth chapter of the book of Jeremiah. And Jeremiah was a prophet. And this prophet, he was, he was burdened by national sin. He was repulsed by misguided preachers. Leading people the wrong way. Leading people astray. He, he was fed up with corrupt kings and political leaders. He was heartbroken over, over blatant immorality. This was a day and age where parents were killing their children at the altars of pagan worship. Literally killing their children in pagan worship. It doesn't sound too far-fetched to me because everything I just described to you that this prophet was dealing with, we've had to deal with in the United States of America. Killing our children at the altars of pagan worship. Listen, what are, what are we worshiping? We're worshiping our own rights and our, 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 ourselves. That, we, that becomes more important than the ways of God. And, and so I'm telling you, it's not too far off what, what, what Jeremiah was dealing with, we too have to deal with. And this load was so heavy that, that this prophet seldom smiled. Instead, he cried a lot. Thus, they called him the weeping prophet. And his message was a message of repentance. But his message of repentance, it came with a warning. And his warning was coming destruction if they didn't repent. And he was heartbroken over this. And, and he wanted Israel to see it. He wanted them to understand it. That if you don't repent, if you don't turn from your wickedness, It's going to cost us. Church, let me tell you, if America doesn't turn from its wickedness, it is going to cost us. It's not going to cost us our eternity. For those of us that call on Christ, we're okay. I know that. But life as we know it, life as we enjoy it, it is in jeopardy right now. In our text today, God gives Jeremiah this image of a traveler who has come to a fork in the road. We are at a fork in the road right now. And he gives him this, this image of, of this traveler at a fork in the road. And, and, and God gives this traveler very specific instructions on how to proceed. Instructions that still speak to us today. We should listen. We should take heed. We should understand what is being said here because it certainly applies to us. Jeremiah chapter 6, verses 16 through 19. Thus says the Lord, stand by the roads. And look and ask for the ancient paths where the good way is and walk in it and find rest for your souls. That's an important part right there. That when you do this, you find rest for your souls. But they said, we will not walk in it. I set watchmen over you saying, pay attention to the sound of the trumpet. But they said, we will not pay attention. Therefore, hear O nations, and know, O congregation, what will happen to them. Hear, O earth, behold, I am bringing disaster upon the people, the fruit of their devices, because they have not paid attention to my words. And as for my law, they have rejected it. I want our focus verse to be verse 16 today. 
really everything that I want to talk to you about this morning really comes down to, to verse 16, where it says, Thus says the Lord, Stand by the roads and look and ask for the ancient paths where the good way is and walk in it. I like the way the New Living Translation says it. It really simplifies it, and it says it like this. Stop at the crossroads and look around. Ask for the old godly way and walk in it. How many of you know we need to ask for the old godly way? And we once again need to walk those paths. Amen? Father, I need your touch for the next few minutes. Lord, I cannot do this without you. God, I do not want my message to come across as anger, but rather concern. God, as I try my best to express your heart to your people, God, I ask that you would loosen the words that you want me to, to share, but Lord, bind the words that would cause harm, that would cause hurt. Father, I need you, and I need your Holy Spirit right now to empower me to speak the truth with love. Give us ears to hear. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm guessing the year was around 1999, maybe 2000. It was one of my first fall retreats that I ever led as a youth pastor. And, and I remember I was, I was in Tampa, and I had a bunch of city kids in my youth group, and they had never really gone to the country. So for fall retreat, I booked Camp Kalakwa over in High Springs. I thought it was time for these city kids to get out and experience some nature. So we loaded up. We drove from Tampa to Camp Kalakwa. When we got there, we unloaded the bus. I went into to the office to, to, to register us in and and. Uh, I, the, the manager, he, he was very friendly. He was telling me, you know, all about the camp. And he told me, he says, we have some, some paths around the camp, some nature trails that you can walk. And he said, but, but, but let me warn you. He says, I, I would advise you and your group to stay on those well-worn paths. Stay on the nature trails. Don't get off of them. He said, it can get dangerous. So I want you to be careful out there. And, and, and so I went back to my group and, and we unloaded and, and, and everyone went to their dorm assignments and got their bunks already. And, and I thought to myself, well, I'm not going to waste any time. The, 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 the day is young. I, and these city kids, they need to see some nature. So, so I'm going to get them out and we're going to go hiking. I gathered them all around the, 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 the campfire area. It's middle of the day, but I gathered them around that, that area and I told them, we're going on a hike. And Half of them rolled their eyes at me, and it, it was October, but it was still very hot. And I looked at them. I said, there, there's one rule in this. You, you've got to stay on the path. I said, I'm going to lead the way. I'm going, to, you know, I'm going to show us where we're going. You just stay somewhere behind me. Stay with the group, and, and don't get off the path. It can, it can get dangerous out there. Because I, I didn't know exactly what we were getting into. Obviously, the manager knew something. For all I knew, there was, you know, snakes out there. There were, there were gopher holes out there. You know, there could be a sinkhole that we were not aware of. And that kid fall in there and we'd never see him again. Then I'd have to explain to their parents, he's gone to a better place, you know. Um, <laughs> but it was before the first service. And they were all going to give their hearts to Christ at the first service. So, you know, I had to be careful with this. Can't get off the path too soon, right? So 
I, I, we start our, our, our trek. We were walking the nature trail through Camp Kalakwa, and we're, we're walking around, and everyone is doing a great job. Everyone is staying, you know, in line on the trail, and, and, and it seems like everybody's having a good time. And I, I look through the trail, through the opening of the trees, and, and way off in the distance, I can see the camp. We've, we've almost come full circle. I can see the camp. And out of the corner of my eye, I see something moving over here, and I look, and probably... 50 to 75 yards off in the distance to my right, it was one of my adult youth leaders. His name is Poncho. And, and at the time, Poncho was in his early 50s. And Poncho's Puerto Rican and a little, little, little guy. And he, he, he's, he's walking through the woods. And I, and I yelled at him. And I said, Poncho, what are you doing? Thinking to myself, I've told all these kids not to do it. Why are you doing it? Poncho completely ignored me. Didn't even acknowledge it. I said, I know he can hear me. Poncho, what are you doing? Get back on the path. He doesn't even look at me. He just keeps on walking. Then I noticed behind him two or three of my, my students, some of those boys, they followed Poncho, and, and, and they're a good 50 yards behind him. And I'm like, oh, Lord, this is, this is, this is how I'm going to get fired. I'm, I'm going to lose my ministry over this. I'm sitting there yelling at them to get back on the path when Poncho, who is still ignoring me, trips over a stump. He trips over the stump, not knowing that there is a hornet's nest inside of the stump. He picks himself up. He looks around. And the next thing that I saw, it was, it was cartoonish is the best way for me to describe it. To this day, I picture it in my head as Poncho begins to run through the woods as fast as he can. And it's not just a run. It's a run, slap, run, slap. I mean, he, he, they're biting him. They're stinging him. And, 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 and he's running through the woods. And those boys behind him, when they saw what was happening, they just turned around, went right back to the path and fell right back in line. But Poncho is running. And I see Poncho and a swarm of hornets behind him just following him and I'm like why to teach you <laughs> I hurry down the path I get to the end and we meet in the clearing and poor poncho I, I guarantee you 50 to 100 steams on this guy he spent the next day and a half in his bunk he was swelling up he had chills I mean we're enjoying the camp we're swimming we're having fun horseback riding everything that you could do there at the camp and uh, night services and, and Poncho he stays in the bunk the whole time I probably probably should have taken him to the ER no mercy he should have listened to me in the first place right <laughs> he should have stayed on the path church I sense an urgency in America Hear me. We have strayed from the well-worn paths that got us here. We are in this room today in worship of Jesus Christ, not because of a failed religion. We're here because of well-worn paths that this has traveled upon. The message of Jesus Christ, his grace, his mercy. But there are also some things, some guidelines in place that help us with our journey, that help us walk out the Christian walk. But, but in this effort to, to, to shy away from legalism, we have absolutely veered off of the, the straight and narrow. We have walked away from the path. And, and church, there is this movement to abolish Christianity as we know it. And you better open your eyes and realize it and you better believe that it's coming for your children the popular phrase now it's kind of a, a buzzword in, in the church world is the deconstruction of one's faith maybe you've heard it though there, there 
there is not a clear-cut definition of what that even means. It, it is a philo, 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 philosophical, <laughs> philosophical. It is a philosophical term. I'll be here all week. A philosophical term, and it has no place in Christianity. Hear me, church. This has invaded our faith. And the deconstruction of one's faith has no business being anywhere near the church. We should not be deconstructing our faith. We should be expanding our faith, growing our faith, building upon our faith, not tearing it down. And I'm not saying that some of the paths don't need to change, but it's not the direction. What happens with a well-worn path is eventually it, 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 uh, society catches up with it and, 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 and we, we think outside the box. And, and rather than running in these ruts, we decide we're going to pave this path, make it a little bit more permanent. But that's not what's happened with the church. We've created new paths that we have no business being on. When we should have been paving it, saying, no, as for me and my house, we're going to follow this. This is the direction that we're going. Not tearing it down. It saddens me, church, that Satan, he gets some people so distracted with their own uh, past hurts and their, and their past struggles that they forget about the Great Commission and that it's about others and not ourselves. Here's what's happening with the deconstruction of one's faith. It's becoming so inward focused on look what the church has done to me. Look what, look what people, look what Christians have, look at the harm they've caused me and we forgot about the Great Commission. Let me tell you something. If you will look at the harvest because the fields are ripe, the laborers are few. But if you'll look at the harvest, you'll quit worrying about yourself. I'm really at a place in life and in my, my ministry career. Uh, I don't need the approval. I don't. I'm not a words of affirmation guy. My wife will tell you that. But I'm going to preach the truth. And what saddens me, church, is that there's this all-star cast leading the charge. People that we needed to be fathers in the faith. I reluctantly share it with you, but, but one of them being... A guy by the name of Joshua Harris, 21 years old, God used him to write a, a book called I Kiss Dating Goodbye. There were, there were youth groups and young adults that they, they, they based their purity off of this. And after announcing his divorce, Joshua Harris, who also was pastoring a megachurch in Maryland, he renounced his faith. And, and here's what he said. He said, I have undergone a massive shift in regard to my faith in Jesus the popular phrase for this is deconstruction. The biblical phrase is falling away. By all the measurements I have for defining a Christian, I am not a Christian. He has also renounced his book that sold millions of copies and, and teachings. And here's what he said about his writings. He said they contributed to a culture of exclusion and bigotry. Marty Sampson, singer, songwriter, former Hillsong Church worship leader, wrote some of the greatest songs that the church has worshipped to. He said, time for some real talk. I'm genuinely losing my faith. Christians can be the most judgmental people on the planet. They can also be some of the most beautiful and loving people, but it's not for me. I am not in anymore. The church, the scariest part to me is not necessarily the ones leaving the faith. That, that saddens me. But the scariest part to me are the ones that are watering down the truth of God's word in an effort just to reach more people. 
A watered-down version of truth is nothing more than a lie. You wouldn't stand uh, 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 from your children. You wouldn't allow them to water down the truth because you would explain to them that's a lie. We cannot water down the truth of God's word because then it becomes a lie. And, and as pastors, man, I'm telling you, we, we will have to be held accountable for this. I don't want to stand before God knowing that I watered down the truth of God's word. Some of you have never heard me preach like this, and it's scaring the living daylights out of you. This series is only going to get deeper, so just. In an effort to reach more people, they compromise their convictions, and, and it saddens me because even today, right now as I'm speaking, there are churches and pastors right here in Alachua County that they bought into the lies of the enemy. And understand this, I pray for them. They're good people, but they have caved to societal pressure. Trust me, I'm all about reaching more people. I just finished writing a book about growing a church in a small town. It's all about getting people involved in the kingdom of God. But I will not sugarcoat the gospel or the blessings of holy living. I won't do it. There might be 12 of us here next week. But I know I'll have to stand before God. And I fear that. 1 Timothy 4, verses 1 and 2, the apostle Paul says, Now the Holy Spirit tells us clearly that in the last time some will turn away from the true faith. They will follow deceptive spirits and teachings that come from demons. These people are hypocrites and liars and their consciences are dead. Church, there's a warning to us. Isaiah chapter 5 verses 20 and 21 Watch sorrow for those who say that evil is good and good is evil, that dark is light and light is dark, that bitter is sweet and sweet is bitter. Watch sorrow for those who are wise in their own eyes and think themselves so clever. It's almost like the prophet Isaiah saw America in 2022 because it is describing, he is describing we have exchanged evil for good and good for evil, dark for light and light for dark, bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. He is describing us. And church, I'll be the first to admit that legalistic mindsets in the name of Christianity, they have caused more harm than good, but we have to be careful not to throw the baby out with the bathwater. Are there some tough issues that we've got to work through? Are there some things that need to be corrected? Absolutely. But be careful with what you compromise with. Our core convictions need to remain the same because they are the well-worn paths that we are instructed to walk through. And veering off of those paths, it, it, you know what, mom, dad, you know where you're at. You know where you're at with your sexuality, but you better be careful because your children have not yet figured it out. And the world, he is, the world is screaming at them, trying to get their attention with this. In the meantime, the enemy he is reprogramming our children. Society has reprogrammed our views on personal responsibility and respect for authority. Things that the word of God so clearly spells out. While we're tiptoeing around political correctness, the world is indoctrinating the next generation to believe in the unnatural, ridiculous ideology. They're trying to reprogram how we see God. Last week, I sat in debates with a room full of pastors, thousands of pastors, 
as we debated what pronouns we can refer to God with. You better open your eyes. It's, it's out there and it's blatant and it's in your face and it's there for a reason, church. If they can distort the image of God in your mind, then they can distort how you identify. This is not a message of hate. This is a message of warning, church. We must hear the Holy Spirit recognize the times that we live in and get back on the well-worn paths. The third verse of the 23rd Psalm mentions He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. First thing that stands out to me there is the reason why he's leading us in paths of righteousness is for his name's sake. It's about him. And we're making it all about us. It's it's my rights. I don't want to jump ahead. This series is going to take us there, but I don't want to jump ahead, but I'm telling you. When I said yes to Christ, I laid down my rights. And I said yes to the convictions of the Holy Spirit that produce a holiness of living in my life. And we've painted this word holiness as as some, some dark, horrible word And yes, there are things, there are stigmas attached to it from from certain movements, but I'm telling you, holiness is still biblical, church. As Christians, we have defined ourselves seeking God and saying, God, you need to expose in my life anything and everything that separates me from Christ, that keeps me from becoming more like him, because every day I want to become more and more like my Savior. The Wearsby Bible Commentary refers to the 23rd Psalm, verse 3, the, the paths of righteousness. It, it calls them the well-worn paths or ruts. Church, what we need is we need some men and women that are walking some well-worn paths following after God. Not allowing society to knock us off the straight and narrow. But we become so grounded in our faith that even when it doesn't make sense to us, we will hesitate until we seek God to find an answer and we just won't go with culture and say, well, that's old school. I'm not about that anymore. Times need to change. No, some things need to stay the same. We need to teach our children to walk the well-worn paths. We don't need new paths. We need to trust the old ancient paths. We need to take a generation by the hand and say, come, walk with me on this path and let me tell you why we need to walk it this way. Stop caving to society. They're screaming loud and they're fighting for the attention of your family. Stand up now for your household. Do the hard stuff now, Mom. Do the hard stuff now, Dad. So that you don't have to pick up the pieces later when they turn away from Christ. Early African converts to Christianity were described as being earnest and disciplined in their private devotions. 
Each one of these African converts were reportedly had a separate spot in the thicket away from camp where they would sit and meditate and pray. This was part of their discipleship. And over time, as they would walk to their spots, their designated spots to pray, it, it would wear down the pathway and, and they created these well-worn paths. As a result, if one of these believers began to neglect prayer and their time with God, the grass would begin to grow on their path. And I love this. And that society of accountability, they would say to one another, if they saw the grass growing up on one's path, they would walk to them and they would say, brother, the grass grows on your path. And all that meant was, you're neglecting your time with God. Make it a priority. Moms, dads. Does the grass grow on your path? Or are you leading your home on these well-worn paths, ruts? You walk it long enough, it's hard to veer off of it. Proverbs 4, 25 and 27 says, Let your eyes look directly forward and your gaze be straight before you. Ponder the path of your feet, then all your ways will be sure. Do not swerve to the right or to the left. Turn your foot away from evil. I'm afraid sometimes that we've created some things to be top priority in our homes that they've taken precedent over the things of God. The proverb said, don't turn to the right or to the left. Pun intended. Sometimes I think we've created these political views that have become more important than our relationship with Christ. We have preached politics more than we've preached discipleship. My heart is broken today. Because there's sons and daughters in this room right now. That if moms and dads, if you don't walk them in the paths, the well-run, well-worn paths, the ruts of Christianity, if you don't get them back on that, it's going to be heartbreak for you later on. The handwriting's on the wall. I've been in this thing 25 years full-time. I see it. I know it. Students, listen to me. My life could have been in a completely different place had there not been men and women of God that looked at me and saw something in me and said follow me on this well-worn path I thank God for the home that I was raised in 
growing up at times, I despised it. But now I look back and I see that I'm the man of God I am today because of it. It doesn't mean that they always got it right and sometimes it was a little legalistic. But man, I would rather be a little legalistic than lost. Father, we need your guidance. Lord, the way that I have carried this message and the weight of it, I pray right now, Lord, that it settles upon the homes in this room. Let us feel the weight of the importance of this message, Lord, we've got to get back to the well-worn paths. We've got to stop letting society dictate, stop letting culture determine what's best for our family and what's best with our walk with God. Your word is still true. It is still foundational. And upon this rock, let us build our homes let us build our churches. Let us build our businesses. Holy Spirit, flood this space right now. Convict us. Convict me. of the sins that so easily beset us. Convict us, Holy Spirit. Don't let us become so comfortable in our sin. let us exchange being right for our righteousness. Show us, Lord, that there's a generation that hangs in the balance. Thanks for listening to the Destiny Community Church Podcast. To learn more about DCC, including our service times and location, visit us at destinycommunitychurch.org.